Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. Welcome back to The Tom Woods Show, episode 2425. And I'm joined today by two gentlemen. And we want to talk about the new president of Argentina. It's hard to even imagine. I've had several people I know tell me that this guy is the real thing and all this, Javier Millet. And we're talking today to one person we've had on the show in the past and one we have not. So the person we've had on before is our friend Jacob Hubert from the Liberty Justice Center, which uh, he describes as a libertarian public interest law firm that sues the government in defense of people's rights. So there, there you have that. And then we're also joined by an Argentinian university student. So young, I was shocked when he told me his age that he is indeed a university student. And that is Octavio Bermudez. And he is, of course, based in Argentina. But Jacob Hubert happens to be visiting Argentina as we speak. So I'm the only person who's completely removed from the situation. But I'm hoping sometime in 2024 to visit Argentina. I've been meaning to take a trip to South America. and. When this happened, I said, well, to heck with Peru. Now it's Argentina. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. All right. So, I want to first talk about something that uh, Jacob said in an email he sent to me. And, Octavio, I want to get your comment on this. That this quite stunning and indeed quite lopsided victory, it does mean something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the Argentinian population suddenly became libertarian. That, as in the United States, a very small percentage of the country is libertarian, but it does mean something. And Octavio, well, what do you think it means? Well, I totally agree with the idea that it doesn't mean that the 55% of the people that voted for Millet are libertarians. That's unthinkable. A small percentage of them are libertarians. So, but what does this mean? It means that people have realized that the model espoused by the ruling Peronist leftist for the people that don't know what Peronism is, some kind of leftist new dealers kind of stuff. Well, the people have realized that that model of a country, that economic program doesn't work anymore. It doesn't bring up good results. So they have a notion of going towards the free market, but it's just a notion. It's not a full system of ideas. And by this, I mean that they are not full. I mean, this 55%, they are not full libertarians. Of course, that would be my take on that. This was more or less what I assumed because this would have been an absolutely revolutionary transformation of a country. But on the other hand, Jacob, I would think that if he does have some success and remains popular, that the ideas of libertarianism, whether or not he describes them that way, will come to be understood better by people. And certainly that has to be a good thing. Yeah, I think that's true. And he does describe them that way. I mean, if you've seen these videos, he talks about anarcho-capitalism. He talks about libertarianism. He says all the kinds of things that we would say in talking to the public in Argentina. He doesn't code it. He doesn't hide it. He says very much what he is and makes it clear. And yet people don't, I don't think, from what I'm hearing, talking to people, don't fully understand that. But he has this extraordinary, engaging personality and this sort of cult of personality that he's developed around himself 
that he's used to draw attention to himself and to these ideas. And while people might not understand libertarianism or really understand free market economics, it's very easy to understand that inflation in their country is at 150% or whatever, and that prices are constantly going up in a way that they can't keep up with, and that something different has to be better. And so I get the sense that people, they recognize that they need a change. They recognize that even if they don't understand every word that's coming out of his mouth, that whatever it is, it's definitely different, and it has a certain appeal, and that's exactly the right climate, apparently, to get people to jump on board something like this. So I think it's the combination of difference from the status quo and just an extraordinary, captivating personality. And my understanding is that although adults aren't necessarily getting the whole philosophy, they're just kind of getting the gist of it, young people who gravitate toward new ideas are listening. And I've been told by people here on the ground that if you go to high schools, High schoolers, it turns out, in Argentina of a certain age, I believe it's 16 to 18, can vote if they want to. If you're older than that, you have to vote. But if you're in high school, apparently you have the option to vote. And these kids are going to the Austrian libertarian literature to find out more about this. And so whatever goes on in the short term, it seems like the expression of these ideas is planting seeds for the long term that we can be optimistic about in any event. Well, I would guess Octavio would have some insight into that, given that, may I disclose your age, Octavio? Yes. Okay, Octavio is a lad of a mere 19 years. So I rather suspect you have some sense of how younger people are thinking. Well, yeah, younger people have realized that their previous generation has failed in giving them a future. So they have gravitated towards Millet, towards his ideas, and a very important thing that Millet did when speaking in public was to cite libertarian authors like Murray Rothbard, or Ludwig von Mises, or Friedrich Hayek. That's where I came from. I heard those quotes and I just Googled who were these people. And that's, that's where I come from. And many of, many of the younger people that I know happen to be in the same situation. In high school, the situation, the, what's happening is it's incredible. The students are standing up to their professors who are usually left-leaning or outright communists. They are standing up to them and saying to them, you, what you're saying is wrong according to sound economic theory. And that's incredible. I totally agree with Jacob. There's been a cultural shift. That shift in the long term is positive, but it also depends on Malay's administration. If it is successful, then we'll see the, these ideas grow. People gravitate towards Austrian economics, libertarianism. A side note, Austrian school books are easier to find now than a few years back. You can find them in all bookstores. You can find a copy of Human Action there standing in the shelf. That was impossible like five years ago. You had to go straight to the main provider but yeah, there has been a big cultural shift. That's for certain. And it's going to extend to the long term. Well, for years before he won this election, he'd been a uh, part of the public life of Argentina. He was not an altogether unknown name. So I presume you have been aware of him for at least several years? Yes, I've been aware of him since he first appeared on TV. 
I remember that because I saw him live on TV. He seemed crazy to me the first time I heard him. <laughs> totally crazy. In those times, I wasn't, of course, a libertarian or anything of the sort. I used to call myself a centrist, whatever that means. But yeah, and he steadily grew in the public life of Argentina. He was admitted to more programs, especially because he had a personality which was very engaging. You could ask him about anything and he would respond, ranging from personal stuff like about sex or then ranging towards economics and the state. You could ask him about anything and he would respond with his, you know, his usual, we have all seen the videos, his usual de demeanor. That's what attracted the TV programs in the first place. Jacob, before I jump in, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, again, it's the engaging personality, I think, makes a huge difference here. It, it, it obviously, it caught people's attention in the first place. It got them listening. It got him on TV over and over. And so I think that's going to be very important in the years ahead because if they do what he's suggesting, if, say, they get rid of their central bank and go to the dollar, it's going to be a very painful time in Argentina first. Inflation will get worse before it gets better, and the transition will put lots of people out of work. It'll make there'll be lots of adjustments in the economy. So I think it could be vitally important to have someone who's an appealing personality and a great communicator to get them through that time, to make them understand that we need to see this through. We need to stay the course. And yeah, there's going to be pain, but I'm promising you if we do this, there will be permanent better days ahead. That's what people are going to understand. And I'm sure much of the electorate, including the electorate that voted for him, doesn't quite get that because people don't think that way. People don't think you have to do, they think if a politician flips the right switch, things will just be good. And uh, when you have all this history of inflation and government spending and government-owned industries and all this stuff, it's going to take some time. And so I think it should be a great thing if he can engage with the people as he has so far to get them through that. And lots of people can have the right ideas about policy, but not everybody can hold people like that. He strikes a great balance too, it strikes me. And of course, you've seen the videos too. He expresses absolute bitter hatred toward the state and the parasites who live off the state. Yet at the same time, he shows a great love for Argentina and its people and a belief fundamentally in people. And I think that strikes a chord and it's going to be essential and it'll be fascinating to watch that play out. It's interesting that, yes, indeed, he has an engaging personality, but I think at the key as we've been hinting, is that he has a pugilistic personality. He's very confrontational. And I kind of agree with the Rothbardian idea that if we're going to have a politician out there, he ought to be confrontational. He should not follow a boring, I hate to say Hayekian, because I have tremendous respect and affection for Hayek, but the, the approach attributed to Hayek that we're just going to debate the ideas with people of goodwill on the other side. He just doesn't buy that at all. He doesn't think that that's what the situation is right now. That, well, there are some people on the other side and they have their ideas and we have our ideas and let's see which, which one wins. He keeps saying that the people on the other side are going to kill us. <laughs> the people on the other side do not have our best interests at heart. So, yes, he can be very intellectually profound, but he can also get right in your face. For example, 
on the first aspect of his personality. I was just reading what David Howden wrote over at the, the Mises Institute. Dave is the chairman of the Department of Business and Economics at the Madrid campus of St. Louis University. And he solicited it actually wound up being an English language essay from Malay for a collection that he edited. And it showed great familiarity with Austrian economics and a very, very critical approach to neoclassical economics, to market failure theory. So he can speak to you on a very high level, but he can also speak to you right in the gut. And I, I also want to say, because now we're drifting into a topic I, I want to hit on, Jacob was pointing out in a, a note he wrote to me that although you do hear references to Mises and Rothbard and others in his rhetoric, that's rhetoric connected to his political philosophy, but that as an economist, he actually belongs to the Chicago school. So how is that, do you think, going to affect the way he governs? I mean, most people wouldn't even see a distinction between Austrian and Chicago. It seems like extreme libertarian to them either way, but is that going to matter? I would love him to be a pure... Austrian economist, but as long as he has Rothbardian political ideas, that's at least pretty good. He has been described as neoclassical in the methodology and Austrian in the results. And I think that diagnosis is quite certain. He has not abandoned a neoclassical methodology altogether. He still believes in mathematical economics. In his cabinet, it's alleged cabinet. There are no Austrians. There is an Austrian in the, allegedly in the education department, but in economic department, no, full Chicago school and neoclassicals. Is that going to play a part in his program? I think totally. But he being an Austrian in the results will sort of like a way to balance it out, the more Chicago school approach to the Austrian approach. We can't expect a fully Austrian government, but it won't be a fully Chicagoan government in any way. That sounds right to me. And, you know, if you say you're going to abolish your country's central bank, and if you say you want people to be able ultimately to choose whatever money they want, whether it's the dollar, whether it's the gold, whether it's Bitcoin, I don't care too much whether you came to that conclusion through Austrian methodology or Chicago methodology, especially when you have the moral conviction behind this that he has, especially when at bottom you believe that people should be free to choose their own money. People should be free to trade whatever they want, however they want. I don't see how the economics is going to make a difference at the end of the day when that's at the core of your belief system and uh, what you're promoting to people. Hey, everybody, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Persist SEO. If you are getting buried by your competition online, then build your brand, your reputation, and your lead flow with digital marketing by Persist SEO. If you are a small local business trying to compete against large companies in the service industry, then increase your visibility with Persist SEO. Or what if you have low or no leads coming in on a consistent basis? Well, then website search engine and conversion optimization can help move the needle to a more prosperous business model for you. Are you tired of cold calling and networking, meeting places getting shut down? Use your website as a lead generation engine. Or what if you're not showing up for your services in the search engines? Well, get found with Persist SEO's expert search engine optimization. All you have to do is call 770-580-3736 
or visit them at ineedseo.help for a free website audit and consultation. That's 770-580-3736 or ineedseo.help. Can we talk about what we've been reading in the papers about his ideas on privatization? We've been hearing this about the airlines, but also, Jacob, you were talking about privatizing the slums. I don't know what that would exactly what that would look like or what he has in mind there. So can either of you say something about that? Well, here's what I've been told by some libertarians here. I've been told that, of course, all around Buenos Aires, you have what one might call slums that consists in large part of housing owned by the government and that people get this housing from the government and it's very, very poor in quality. And the politicians, of course, use this government benefit to keep people dependent on them. They want, you know, people fear losing this. Somebody's threatening out there, threatening to take it away from them. And so this government benefit keeps people dependent on the government and keeps them voting for the people who provide that to them. I have heard that at least some who are advising Malay, I don't know if he said this himself or not, but some who are advising Malay have the idea that let's give that government housing to the people who live there And then, of course, they'll have all the incentives that go with private property ownership. And then the uh, leftists won't be able to use government housing as a way to keep people voting for them. It's a great idea to expose what these leftist politicians are really about. They're not about doing what's best for the poor. They're about getting a voting block in there to vote for them. It's like the situation we see with the airlines where Malay says, I've heard, I'm not sure if it's right or not, that there is a law passed that he can't just privatize the airline in the sense of selling it to a private airline company. But what he can do, or what he said he's going to do, is give it to the workers. Let them have it and let them be the owners. And wouldn't you know it, the head of the union who represents workers in the airline prosperity says, you'll have to kill me before you'll do that. You'll have to kill me before you pursue this plan to give the airlines to the people who work for them. And so once again, we just see him exposing what these people are really about, what the union leaders are really about. You'd think if they cared about the workers, they would embrace this plan. But of course they don't because they want to keep the government money flowing to themselves. So I don't know if he has other schemes along these lines in mind, but it sounds perfect to me and I certainly hope he can do it. And there's more than that. It's not only about state ownership, it's state ownership and the mafias and associates of them that manage those places, for example, in the slums or shantytowns, wherever or you want to call it. A lot of the properties there are not owned by the state or by individuals, but by mafias, the, the local mafias that run the place. So they basically extort people to pay them just massive amounts of money for properties that aren't really of them. They haven't acquired them in legal ways. So one of the proposals I've heard is to give out private property titles to the people that actually live in those places so they can have the proper incentives and can actually live a life without being extorted by all of these mafias who are, of course, entangled with the government and with the leftist politicians who want want to keep this going. Octavio, can you, as somebody who lives in Argentina... Talk to us about what it's like to live in a place with such high price inflation. Well, it's a day-to-day struggle. 
it's not something that you forget about. It's something that's constantly on your mind. And it has become a pretty heavy, its psychological effects are pretty heavy because people are, are always thinking in how I'm going to protect myself from this inflation. And they see that protection in the dollar. So people don't save. It's impossible to save money in, in the peso. So they go to the dollar. But Argentinians are very, Jacob probably can vouch for this, are very friendly when it comes to being on the streets and being in public places. So when you go to a supermarket, it happens a lot that you're you know, searching for the products and someone comes to you and says, this is very expensive. And people will, will comment like, just by seeing on the products, like this was not the same price as yesterday. This is constantly changing. And it's something that is constantly on your mind that occupies you a lot of time. I'm going to give a personal experience. I was in Japan two months ago. I visited Japan and it was incredible. I felt stress, anxiety went down. I was free to move to go buy something and know that it will be the same price next week, next month. I know that there's a little bit of inflation now in Japan, but it was a different world. And the people that go out, the Argentinians that go out of the country to visit or to live somewhere else, they instantly feel that they are in a different universe because Argentina has you trapped in this inflation and inflationary situation, which bombards you. It I cannot express like in English words, like how encapsulates your life because you're always thinking about protecting yourself against this inflation. And yet, as Jacob was saying from his observations there, he doesn't have the sense that, oh, I, Jacob, I suppose I should let you speak for yourself, but that crime is rampant or anything that you would probably frankly expect to happen in the United States if we had inflation rates at that level it seems like society is still more or less able to function somehow. That's because Argentina has lived systematically with inflation. We have learned to live with inflation. From the time when the central bank was nationalized by President Perón in 1947, if I'm not mistaken, inflation has kicked off systematically and continuously in our country. And people have, again, I use the same words, systematically and continually rejected the peso as their saving method. So there's been a sociological development. We have learned to live with inflation. Of course, there are some places where crime is rampant. For example, the city of Rosario, which is one of the main cities of Argentina, their crime is rampant, but that has to do, has, has relationship with the war against drugs. A lot of mafias and cartels run the place and they fight against the government and vice versa. But that's another topic. Well, yeah, we have learned to live with inflation. And that's incredible. <laughs> if he could somehow give Argentina, I guess by Argentinian standards, a non-inflationary environment, that would change everything for people. You'd have less anxiety, you'd have more financial security, you'd have more stability. I mean, that's got to be uppermost in his mind if you could because it's people have associated inflation and Argentina for quite some time. So if he could do something about that, that'd be quite astonishing. Now, at the same time, I do have, I feel like I have to raise something, an objection that I keep hearing from some people, 
which is the claim that he has some connection with the World Economic Forum. Does anybody want to say something about that? I think the World Economic Forum just likes to claim people like they want. They kind of like to create the impression that they've got the connections to everybody and they're kind of on top of everything. I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know his personal history that much uh, enough to say that, but I can't imagine that the World Economic Forum wants our ideas to get the platform they have received from him. I doubt the World Economic Forum wants people speaking with the moral clarity that he's speaking with about these issues and explaining exactly why what they champion is wrong. That just doesn't fit to me. It seems like you know the World Economic Forum is pretty straightforward about what it wants and about just ramming its ideas down our throat. So like working through an agent who's an anarcho-capitalist who's making it more popular than ever in a major country and spreading these ideas around the world, I don't see how that would benefit them. So I, I kind of doubt there's anything to that. Who knows about any of this, but I don't see it. Yeah, at the time when Millet was associated with the World Economic Forum was when he was chief economist of one of the main Argentinian corporations. So it was in a in an intellectual phase of him, which he was not even an Austrian in that time. And he was not a public figure. He was working professionally in a corporation, which is very almost monopolistic here in Argentina. So yeah, I mean, I've heard that objection as well, and it has no basis in my, my view. And, you know, this kind of thing goes on all the time. You know, if you look out there, you can, I have some, I, I'm in some formal network of the American Enterprise Institute because I attended something they did once in yeah. Chicago. Does that mean you can ascribe Dick Cheney's ideas to me in any way? No, I got invited to something. It was nice. And, you know, the people there were nice to me and want to say I'm in their network. And so, you know, whatever. It doesn't, there are plenty of real conspiracies out there, but sometimes I think people are too quick to uh, connect the dots and to say that one little association with one thing one time means you're part of that thing and anything they do is you and all that sort of thing. Well, I think, gentlemen, part of the problem is we're not used to winning. We, <laughs> we, we don't have very many examples of, of our side winning. So we don't know how to respond when we win. And so I think some people respond by denying that we won and saying instead that we can't possibly ever win. But I think in this case, we legitimately did win. And then I might add, by the way, that our friend Bob Murphy, who's a senior fellow at the Mises Institute, has a really outstanding book on money mechanics, showing how money really works in the 21st century and taking a very hard Austrian line on money and banking. That book was actually recommended in a post by uh, the World Economic Forum. Now, I'm sure that's one loose cannon at the World Economic Forum, but it doesn't matter. That got out to the public and I thought, look, I know Bob Murphy is not a double agent. I think sometimes things just happen. That was just a funny thing that we saw. Somehow the WEF endorsed a book that would shut down all the institutions they want to control. Something just went screwy there, and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be happy that Bob got a little bit of publicity. Well, yeah, and I can vouch for Millet's intellectual honesty and all of that stuff because I've met her personally several occasions. I've been to his rallies and I've been on a TV program with him once. And I asked him about fractional reserve banking. And he said in a long explanation that he thinks it should be illegal to have fractional reserve banking. That, of course, 
banks should have 100% reserves. So I don't think <laughs> he's, uh, I'm certain he's not a World Economic Forum double agent. Right, right, right. So the question that he now has to face is, what can he accomplish when he doesn't have, within the legislature, a whole lot of support right now? I'm sure there are some things that the executive can do on his own authority, but I'm sure that the number of those things is quite limited. So I guess we can't, we're not privy to what his strategy is in the coming months, but I'm curious as to what maybe Octavio, you think it might be or where you think he might be able to make some headway given that he has support among the public, but not frankly where he needs it right now. Well, we're kind of in the middle of disputes within the Millais allies. There's a more radical part that wants to go forward with Malay's proposals. There's some more centered part of that alliance that wants to balance out Malay's proposals. And that those are the most, like the, the majority in Malay's allies. But it's difficult to say because the disputes between them are ongoing. So I've been watching the news all day and it's difficult to say if the Malay's allies will actually support the radical program for state reform, bank reforms, and fiscal slashing public expenditure and all that kind of stuff. It's difficult to say at the moment, but I hope that they will support at least a moderate version of that. Even that could have good results. Everybody, quick message on behalf of our sponsor, Monetary Metals. You have almost certainly heard Ron Paul say that the thing that got him into politics was Richard Nixon closing the gold window in 1971. And ever since Nixon definitively took us off the gold standard, things have just gotten worse. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value since that time. It's become harder for Americans to retire. The national debt just surpassed $33 trillion. Disaster can strike at any time. And so we need a change. Where's that change going to come from? Not from D.C. It has to come from the market. We need a market-based answer to the corrupt, dishonest money we use today. And I think we have one. That answer is monetary metals. Monetary metals enables you to get on your own personal gold standard starting today. Who cares what the Federal Reserve is doing with interest rates when you can earn interest on your gold, paid in gold, earn up to 5% in their gold leasing program, or earn double-digit returns in their gold bonds if you're an accredited investor. I put my own money, my gold, where my mouth is, and opened an account with them myself. It's time for you to do the same. Join me and our old friend Jeff Deist as we lead an honest money revolution that starts by opening an account at Monetary Metals today. Go to monetary-metals.com woods to learn more. That's monetary-metals.com woods. So I'm trying to think of if I were in Argentina, what I would be watching most closely. And I wonder if it really is monetary policy, because we've heard that he's already said that he intends to shut down the central bank. Now, that's not quite the same thing that it would mean if somebody in the U.S. said it, because if you're going to engage in dollarization, then you still are relying on some other country's central bank. Jacob was saying that a lot of the people there who are happy that he won, aren't necessarily sure about his dollarization policy because, quote, every country should have its own money. 
is it possible to say something about what his intentions are and what what monetary policy would look like if he got everything he wanted? Well, his monetary policy would look like a free competition of currencies. That's the ultimate goal of Millet's monetary program, free competition of currencies. Before that, he's going to dollarize, allegedly, if he manages to do that. But even that has been toned down recently. The economists that made the dollarization program that Millet was allegedly going to implement, he's not going to be part of the government. So it seems that the dollarization proposal has been postponed for later after solving some fiscal issues first. Jacob, you went down there basically, what, because you saw what had happened and you wanted to see for yourself the situation? Well, my wife, Allison, and I, a month ago, said, you know, we saw the Malay had a shot at winning and we thought, wouldn't it be great to be there if he won? So we just went ahead and booked a family trip down here so that if he did win, we'd be able to celebrate with the people here. That's amazing. And see what it's like. Yeah. And so we did. And it worked out perfectly. And, you know, if he lost, still, it would be a lovely place to visit. We'd still be happy to do it. But how fortunate for us in Argentina and the entire world that he did. And so, yeah, we came down here to meet up with libertarians to celebrate. And then, you know, for me to also just ask, you know, whoever I can, whoever I see, cab drivers, babysitters we've hired, anybody I can to just get their feel of it. What does it mean to them? What are they thinking about it? So that's what I've been doing. And that's how you mentioned something I said earlier. I, you know, I talked to some cab drivers and said, what do you think about, what do you think about going on the dollar? And they're like, and they, they voted for Malay. I'm glad he's president. But they're like, do you want to go on the dollar? Oh, no, no, no. You need your own money. It's patriotic. You need to have your own money, not be have some other country's money. And so that makes me wonder, like, are they ready for what this is? You know, are they ready for the bumpy ride? Are they realize what this means? I hope so. I hope you can bring them along. What's been interesting to me, I know you've spoken to some libertarians down there also, and, and you know, not just regular people, but crazy ideologues like you and me. And what has surprised me is that even with a handful of exceptions of people I, I'm not familiar with, I'm talking about libertarians I know personally, and particularly even some of them, let's say the more cynical ones, we might say, have been surprisingly favorable and surprisingly pleased with the outcome. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Of course, if he does things that are wrong, then our ideas get tainted with bad results. And we can see there are plenty of perils, but nothing ventured, nothing gained, I think. So I'm, you know, I'm willing to see what happens next, but I like what I hear. I like his style. I like his uh, intellectual formation. And I like the fact that somehow he won because I'm telling you, if the three of us had wondered, you know, had this conversation five years ago, I don't think we would have predicted this outcome. No, five years from before now, it would have been unthinkable for a fully libertarian candidate to win, even, even a classical liberal candidate. That's what's in Argentina, being classical liberal or a libertarian was not only unheard of, but it was also a sort of social crime. Like if you said it in a public situation that you were a libertarian or a classical liberal, we just call them liberals here. We, we used it in the 19th century sense of the word. You were ostracized immediately. I remember it 
because I used to be part of that. I remember before being a libertarian, talking with friends, not friends, acquaintances that told me I'm a classical liberal and I would just, you know, go away. But that was the culture in those times. But with Malay, he has fought a cultural battle. That's how we call it, a cultural battle for the ideas of liberty to be accepted in the public discourse. And that's his biggest win. That's Malay's greatest victory, to have made the ideas of liberty sound for the Argentinian years. That's his biggest victory in my view, and I think of many others. Octavio, for those of us who don't know the details of the Argentinian system, how many years does he serve? Four years. Okay. Wow. That's a long time. You can get a lot done if you're determined. I sure hope so. And the legislative elections midterm will be very important. He has to achieve results in this two years in order to win in the legislative elections midterm in two years from now. So if he manages to do that, then Argentina is going to boom. And I'm optimistic. I'm sometimes cautiously optimistic and sometimes very optimistic about it, trying to balance that out. Let's wrap up with, I don't know, you don't have to do predictions or anything because nobody could know where this is all going, but final thoughts from each of you, Jacob first, because as I say, I am not really used to having a victory episode. As you can see, I don't even know how to run one. <laughs> so as you're still gathering information, you're still talking to people, you're still moving around the country, but what the heck just happened here? And what are your parting thoughts to us? Well, it's incredibly exciting. I think it's going to be a great thing for Argentina in the long run, no matter how it plays out, because we libertarians in general, we don't expect short-term political wins. We always say the important thing is for the ideas to get out to people who are receptive to them. And this is putting these ideas out here to the people of this country as never before. And even if most of them ended up not getting it, even if the political successes didn't happen, they are entering the minds of countless young people who are going to latch on to them, who are going to understand them, who even if he gets thwarted, are going to understand that it wasn't because he was wrong about his fundamentals of the big economic principles and the big moral principles. And that is going to be good for this country and the world no matter what. And then if he does have some success, I just can't even imagine what kind of paradise this country is going to be because it's to me as a visitor, at least it's already amazing. They have so much beautiful stuff. They have so many great people. It's so incredibly civilized. It's amazing that these people go through all this inflation. We think, well, you know, inflation, it makes people not save. It makes them not future oriented. It turns them degenerate. And I'm not, you know, among a lot of the people here, I'm that's not what I'm seeing and not what I'm feeling. And if they can get through all of that and still be pretty good and looking pretty good all around, imagine what they're going to become if even a fraction of this comes to pass. It's incredibly exciting. And I think, you know, win or lose the political battles in the short term, this country has a great long term ahead. And there's much a cause for optimism here as anywhere that I know of. Wow. Octavio, can you top that? I think that. Building a libertarian hardcore is going to be one of their greatest tasks because they are going to be the ones to carry on the flag, the Gadsden flag, even if Millet fails. But if Millet is able to pull out a victory in his political and an economic program, then 
as Jacob said, it's going to be, we're going to be a great country. This is the counter-revolution. Millet and the libertarian movement in Argentina is the counter-revolution to the progressive revolution that was going on till now, till uh, some days from now, 10th of December, when Millet is going to assume office and start with his, we hope, great government. We expect a lot of things from him, but his greatest victory has already been done. That is to introduce the ideas of liberty to the people, to the popular people, not only to intellectuals, but the lower class people that are now quoting Hayek and quoting Mises. That's something that's going to last even if Malay fails. But I'm optimistic and I think that he will be able to turn things around and make make Argentina great again. <laughs> Jacob, what's the website of Liberty Justice Center? You can go to the Liberty Justice Center at libertyjusticecenter.org. You can check them out on Twitter. You can check me out on Twitter. And I want to give thanks to some people here who have been very helpful. Miguel Durante, Martin Simonetta at the Atlas Foundation, and Maggie Anders from the Foundation for Economic Education is doing a great job reporting on the ground here. People should check that out too. Excellent. And Octavio, is there a way... I will link to your article archive from the Mises Institute, but is there another way people can follow you? I mainly publish on Mises, so they can follow me on Mises. I currently don't have any other social media. That's something I got to work on. But I want to thank the people that make my libertarian studies possible. That it's, of course, my family. Of course, my, my friend Marco, who is watching this recording. And to all the people that have supported me and helped me into the libertarian spirit. Well, excellent. I'll put links in the description and on the show notes page. Show notes page is tomwoods.com slash 2425. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your insights. And let's hope for the best for the people of Argentina. So thanks to both of you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free. And we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.